that I've learned. I mean, you've been married 65 years, right? He said, number one is for a lifetime. And number two, he said, me and my wife never went to bed angry. He said, now, I stayed up for five days one time, but we never went to bed angry. Anyway, I just thought it was cute. So. But uh, let's pray. And uh, I really believe that God wants to speak to us this morning. And God wants to challenge our hearts. And I don't want someone to be an almost person here this morning. What do you mean? That you almost are persuaded by the power of God, by the Spirit of God, but that you would be persuaded. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your presence. I thank you, Father, that you want to reveal yourself real, mighty, able to deliver, able to change, Lord. I thank you that there are many people's lives that have been changed and touched in this room, but there are those that are yet to be changed and touched. And I pray that you would speak to all of us. And at the conclusion, we would realize we need you. And I just pray that you would just speak to us through your word and by your spirit. And Lord, the Bible says, who has ears to hear, let him hear what the spirit has to say. God, give us ears to hear your Holy Spirit this morning. And I pray. And if you agree with me, say, I agree. I agree. Amen. Let's go with me to Exodus chapter 33. It's a second book in the Bible. And it's actually talking about the Exodus people, the children of Israel, leaving, heading, uh, leaving Egypt. It's the land of bondage, going through the wilderness. It's barely enough to the promised land where there's more than enough. Amen? How many of you want to live in God's promised land where there's just more than enough for you? Come on. And so this morning, it doesn't matter what you're believing God for. It doesn't matter where you're at in your life. God has something incredible and something great for all of us. And you would turn with me to chapter 33 of Exodus, starting at verse 12. It says, one day Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, take these people up to the promised land. But you haven't told me whom, will, who, whom you will send with me. He says, you have told me, I know you by name, and I look favorably on you. Is, if it is true that you look favorable on me, let me know your ways so that I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you. How many of you like that? God just stops and he goes, stop right there. I'm personally going to go with you. And he says this. He says, I will give you rest, and everything, you will, you will, and everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, and me, uh, on me, on me and all your people? If you don't go with us, for your presence among uh, set your people and me apart from all the other people of the earth. And he says, the Lord, the Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. You know, if you look at anything in this verse, if you understand one chapter earlier in this, in this book, the children of Israel are caught up in adultery and morality. They're, they're, they're dancing around this golden calf like many of us. How many of you have ever dropped the ball, just messed up? Come on. God calls them out and he, he says, look, I'm with you. He forgives them. We, we, many times we've done stupid stuff. How many of you have done something stupid before in your life? How many of you have ever done something that you know that broke the heart of God? Come on. 
And here he is, and God's saying, in the next chapter, he's, he's forgiven them. He's wanting to restore them. He's saying, listen, I'm with you. And you're not going by yourself, but I'm going to personally go with you. You know, there's so many times that I've seen when God personally shows up in someone's life. And I think about, man, and, 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 and I'll just say this. Many times there's a struggle. I remember, listen, I'll just say this. If God delivered me, look at me. I'm just talking about, I'm going to talk about me, but I'm not, this is not message not about me. If God personally delivered me from drugs, alcohol, immorality, and all the other junk that I was involved in, okay? All right? And then he, he healed me. I mean, number one is God wants me to be someone to point to him and say, God is a deliverer. If God can deliver me, he can deliver you. If God can heal me, he can heal Come on, speak with me. Help me out. Who can he? He can heal you. And there's so many times, and I've had my friends come to that point, and, you know, uh, and, and get them to the point. And he said, man, you know, Bubba, I almost want to give my life to the Lord, but, I, you know, just there's these other things. And, and it's like I call them almost people. You remember when Paul stood before King Agrippa? And he said, thou almost persuadeth me, Paul. But see, he was so influenced by this world. Hello? He allowed the world to affect him. He allowed the world standard to be something he lived by. My personal and your personal sanctification can never be linked to this world. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And sometimes when we get so close to the world, but we go, you know, well, we can do this. How far do we have to go? God wants to have personal sanctification in your own life. And I'm not the one, I'm not here going, you know, you can't do this, can't do that. Can't do that. Let, me, let me, what I am saying is that when you go before the living God, what is God speaking Listen, I don't want to live by the world and the world standard. I want to separate myself from this world and, and the world standard. And see what Paul, what, what God is saying, he says, Moses, I'm going to go with you. Even though you've messed up. You know what? Let me just give you a little hope. Even though he messed up, God was with him. Even though you've messed up, can I just tell you something? God's with you. You see... By Exodus, Moses had seen some of the most spectacular, supernatural displays of God's power that anybody had ever seen. You know, the greatest influence in in the Old Testament was Moses. He had the greatest impact, the greatest influence in anybody in the Old Testament. He was a deliverer. He was a type of Jesus. You see, there, there are those stories that we tell our kids about Moses and the children of Israel sometimes. I've told them, you know, about the plagues. The flies, the frogs, the fire, the boils. You ever get a pimple? You ever get a boil? We were watching videos this week, Matt and Libby and I, and we were watching these things about these people have these, like, boil things or these cysts on their back, and they're popping them. And, and many dad, this one guy had one. I'm, I don't want to. Can I just? And, and we're watching. I don't know what happened. Have you ever see this one? I said, yeah, yeah. so we're, we're looking. Because he had a, and, and so, and Olivia's over there, she's watching, she goes, oh, gross, sick. And we're, as they're popping these things, we're going, boo, but well, we kept watching it. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and so what happened is, all of a sudden, you know, we're looking at it, but, you know, just think about the plagues that the children of Israel had. Even losing, Pharaoh lost his son. 
They put the blood on the doorpost that the angel of death would pass over them. And it represented that one day that Jesus would put his blood over our lives and the enemy would pass by us. And he could not affect us. He could not touch us because greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. You see, Moses, I mean, I think about you know, the Red Sea parting. Can you imagine that? Just standing still, part fire by night. That's how they traveled. They, they traveled fire by night so they could see where they were walking. God's big flashlight. And they had a cloud by day. Can you imagine that? They had shade during the day. How many enjoy shade on a hot day? God provided that. Moses had a desire to see something he had never seen though. Moses encountered and experienced the very presence of God. He had been, he, he had seen all the power of the promises and experienced, you know, God's presence, but he wants something more from God. You see, look at, look at Moses. Look what Moses asked. Look in verse 18. Look what he asked. Moses replied, then show me your glorious presence. Then the Lord, the Lord, the Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will call out, call out, and I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. The Lord continued, look, stand near on this rock as my glorious presence passes by. I will hide you in the, in the, the crevice or the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I pass by. Then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind, but my face you will not see. You see, we know that God had showed Moses his promises. He had given him direction where he was going to take him to the promised land. He promised him protection. He promised him satisfaction where he would get to that place. But Moses is going, you know, that's not enough. I want you to show me your glory. And God says, I'm going to let my goodness pass before you see my glory. And, you know, one of the wild things is, as I was studying this, is, is, and I was, the clef of the rock represents, this is what it represents. It represents the cross, the clef. Who does the rock represent in the Bible? Come on. It was a picture of Jesus. And, you know, the Bible says that he saw his backside. And a lot of people, I always, always looked at it like, well, he saw his back. He saw his physical back. No, it doesn't really mean that. It doesn't mean he saw his physical back. You know what he did see? He saw the afterglow of what God, when he passed by, he saw the afterglow of God. I mean, it's kind of like a snake church. You know, they have to, you know, we're not pulling out snakes, okay? But what they do is when they have a snake, in the, in the mountains of West Virginia. And what they do is they pull out a poisonous snake because they believe that no deadly thing shall harm you. And they pat, you ever see those, you know, 60 minutes, you know, and they got people, hey, we're missing tape. And hey, we're going to get the snake. And they got to, what they do is they got to do that in, in their, as they pass them the snake, they're supposed to quote scripture. Let me tell you what I would say. Me or my, pass him on by, baby. I mean, I'm not going to test God, all right? I believe God, but I don't need a snake to prove it, all right? And so what happens is, here it is. You see, what does that have to do with anything, Pastor? Nothing, but it was good anyway. God's goodness and his glory are linked because the glory of God is good. 
It's just plain good. Truly, the Bible says no man can see him and live. Every time we get a glimpse of God, really, every time we get a glimpse of God, can I tell you what happened? Something in our flesh knows it needs to die. Something in us. Something in us that needs to die. You ask, hasn't Moses already seen God's glory, Pastor? He's, he's seen God doing miracles, fulfill his promises, and have his presence with him every day. And so the question is, well, Pastor, what's the glory of God? What's God's glory? I'm so glad you're asking questions this morning. You're such a studious group of people, and you ask the best questions in the world. I just want to let you, I'm just so privileged to be pastor here at our Savior's Church Jennings in Eunice. So what is God's the best English word to describe the Hebrew word glory is weight or substance. Weight and substance. It's the Shabbat. That's the Hebrew word. It's actually the word that it uses that it covered Adam and Eve. When God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden, it says he clothed them with his glory. He was there. Remember, he would walk with them when? In the cool of the day. That means he had conversations. They saw him. Think about that. They walked with him. They were with him. But what happened is when they sinned, the Shabbat, the glory departed, and they became aware of their emptiness. Man, in a way, and they, they realized their weightlessness. They began to realize their shallowness. They began to recognize their nakedness. And it's been in all of our souls ever since. You know, you can have all the money in the world. Not, I have friends that have lots of money. I have people that have lots of things. I have people that have beautiful wives and, you know, good-looking husbands. But, you know, and, and they have all this stuff. But those are the things that really bring satisfaction in their lives. It's kind of like the old Rolling Stones song. Can't get no satisfaction. Come on. I used to listen to it when it was new. Anyway. Y'all listen to the remake, remastered, all that stuff. But see, the thing is, is that what happens is we can't get any satisfaction outside of God himself. And see, what this is, this is an Old Testament picture of what was going to happen. in the New Testament. See, there was only a few people in the Old Testament where they're actually filled with the Holy Spirit. That actually had the privilege like what we have. The day of Pentecost brought in the Holy Spirit. That we can have God, we can be empowered. See, they, they, when you go through the, New, the Old Testament, there are pictures of Jesus throughout the Old Testament. Are you with me this morning? Now, Moses has seen God's promises fulfilled. Think about it. He saw his power demonstrated and experienced his presence, but he wanted to see what? His person. Now, this is a big request. Think about it. Because Moses is living in the Old Testament days, which is in the Old Covenant, which is based upon the law. Which means that God has not yet, yet come to walk on the earth. He has not revealed himself yet in person. God was so brilliant and so radiant that he, he decides he had, he, he's not going to show him all of himself. Moses, We know that when Moses saw him, the Bible says in, in the Old Testament that his face glowed. They literally had to put a towel around his face that he shone. See, when I got up this morning, I didn't have I didn't have that. My wife looked at me, hey baby, 
You tired? You got bags under your eyes this morning. I like to say, I didn't have the glory of God. I had to go get the glory of God. Come on. How I many you know you need to be renewed day by day? You might, and I don't matter. Look, you can try to puck and tuck, but when it's going, it's going. But when it's the glory of God, when it's the presence of God in our life, when you see the person, you see, you can't see, you, you can't, he's saying this, you can't see me and live, but you can, serve, you can sense and experience my afterglow. You see, it's not the physical he's talking about literally, he's talking about God's afterglow. So now, let's fast forward to the book of Hebrews in the Old Testament. How many of you ever read, you know, will, will, uh, and let me just say this. We'll answer the question, what is the glory of God, through this verse right here. Hebrews. Hebrews. It says, uh, this is Hebrews 1, I'm sorry. We'll go back to Hebrews 11 in a little bit. Hebrews 1, verse 1 through 4. Long ago, God spoke many things, and in many ways, to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to his son as an inheritance. And through his son, he created the universe. The son son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he was cleansed, from, when, he, when he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down at the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic, majestic God in heaven. Verse 4, this shows that the Son is far greater than the angels. Just as the name, name God gave him is greater than their names. You know, if you're a Jehovah Witness, they teach this, that Jesus is actually the brother of the archangel Michael. But he's absolute, that's absolute heresy. Can I just say that? It's not because he's splitting. Well, I'm not trying to split doctrinal heresy. But because if, if Jesus was like an angel, think about it. That just cheapens salvation. It cheapens on what he did. God didn't send his son. He sent an angel for our, our, our sanctification, for our separation. Jesus, if Jesus is not God of, of the very God... Then God clearly sent an angel to die on the cross to take, take the rap for all of humanity. The Bible says in 1 Timothy, says, God himself, this is what he says, God himself bore our sin. God himself died on the cross, 1 Timothy 3.16. Are y'all with me this morning? If you're a Mormon, and they, they have a hard time coming up with this, but this is what they really do believe. I'm just giving you a snapshot. Is that all right? Mormons also deny Jesus is superior to the angels. Although they don't talk about it very much, if you press them to the point, they'll admit that they believe that Jesus is the brother of Lucifer. Pastor, you say, I'm serious. Okay? And what God did is he had the brothers come up and he says, give me a plan for salvation for mankind. And it says that God rejected Lucifer's plan. Come on. For salvation, but accepted Jesus' plan. So Lucifer is conspiring against his brother to get back because God didn't like his God. The God didn't like his plan. Wow! I never knew that. He's just ticked off trying to undermine his brother. That's what they believe. But Jesus is 
The answer of Jesus is the radiance of God's splendor and his glory. The foundation of our entire system is that God sent his best. He sent his best and his only son. You want to see the glory of God? You need to have an experience with the person of Jesus. On May, 19, um, May 15, 1980, let me just tell you something. Religious, religion died in my life. I had an experience with the presence of God. Pastor, did you see him physically? No, I didn't see him physically, but I felt him. I sensed him. I could, it was like I could taste him. You understand me? And see, for what happens is many of us, we want to we try God like ice cream. I'll try God. That's pretty good. Can I just say something? There's a lot of people that get to that point and they say, well, I want God, but I, I almost serve God, but this happened and this happened and this happened, so I couldn't serve. And they, can I just say, you know what, what spirit we have in our country right now? I'll almost give everything, but not everything. It's almost like we want to we mimic the world, but yet say we're different. And it's not the way you dress so much. It's not the way, you know, you've heard me say it. You, know, have, you have some, some just goofy stuff. They, 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 they try to say that it's because of the, way, the length of your skirt and what you wear on your face. Can I tell you, for some women, not to wear makeup is a sin. And for some men not to be able to wear whiskers, like my son Matthew, Matthew, that is a sin. The whiskers, not me, I'm just saying that. It's not your hairline. It's not your skirt line. It's whether you draw a line and say, God, here I am. I want all of you. I want you. I want to see you reflected in my life and in my walk with you. And I don't want to get so close to the world that people can't tell the difference. But that you literally wear the glory of God and that you will shine for him. See, why do marriages fall apart? Because they almost try. Why do people continue to go back to drugs? Because they almost tried. But we have so many programs and they try to convince you. They, you know, through these programs, come on, are you hearing me? Come on, anybody out there? You're good now. I am? Get it, baby. And the first little, little smell they smell, or the friends come over and they talk about what they were doing and everything else. Can I tell you something? I don't need to get high when I serve the most high. Unless you get a hit on God, Man, I don't need to smoke the peace pipe to feel peace. I just need to get in God's presence and feel that and get his peace in my life. You know, God wants to walk with you in the storms of your life. You see, Jesus is the glory of God. You don't know what the glory of God is? His name is Jesus. Say it when we say his name. Say Jesus. Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Are you giving him your all? Or are you almost giving him everything? See, if you want all of God, look at me. Look at me. Don't, you're going to get mad at me, but I'm just telling you the truth. Is that all right? I'm, I've just determined this. I've almost experienced a time where I didn't know how many days I had left, so I'll use the best days that I have left to be able to try to convince you that you might need to serve God with all your heart. Is that okay? 
good. Praise God. That's good. But the bottom line is this. Listen to me. I don't want you to hear me straight. If you want all of God, how many you want all of God? Question I have for you. It's conditional. Are you willing to give all of you? It's not about what you've given up. It's not about what you do, how you do it, or what you don't do. It's a matter of the motivation of the heart. Why do you do the things you do, and who do you do them for? Let me tell you, let me show you your motive. If you do it to please people, you are a people person. You're a people pleaser. You're always looking over, oh, they, they think, oh, yeah, well, who cares? I just want to know, when God looks on me, he says, you're my son. Enter into your rest. You're my daughter. Then there are, the, there are others that, they don't just do it for people, but they do it for, they just live for themselves. Can I tell you what kind of person that is? A selfish person. They're just talking about, so how, many like, how many have relatives that just talk about themselves? They're the best shot. The best, the best, you know, the best dress. The best uh, shopper. The best this, the best that. I was telling my wife last night, we were at the house. I said, well, man, who's doing that conversation with the women? He said, oh, it was your, your cousin. She was just talking about herself and all her stuff. And I mean, they were just, she was laughing at herself. Then there are people that love God. And that's where I want to be. You see, many of us are singing and praying, God, show me your glory. God is telling you, I already have. His name is Jesus. You know, we're a spirit-filled, charismatic church, which means we sing a little louder. Come on. Uh, We lift our hands. Come on. We dance, speak in tongues. Many churches, like us, have infatuation with the concept of glory. We like to say, we like to say it, but many times we don't understand what we're asking for. You see, what we mean when we say, show me your glory, is God. Some people think, it make the hair on my head. My arms stand up. Lord, make me fall down. Make me cry. Those are not, there's no, I believe in all that. But if you're coming to church just for that, look at me. I can tease the hair on my, my head to make it stand up. I've had those, those Holy Ghost free songs. Come on, you know what I'm talking about, anybody here? I've had people, look, I've fallen out with no one laying hands on me, and I didn't have a catcher. It's always a test. You know, when I see people getting, I've, I've been around. I've seen people, when they're getting, and they've seen other people fall, but they're looking to see if they got that catcher. How many of you talking about? Listen, when it's the real deal, you don't care who catches you, because you know you're in the hands of God. He'll catch you. But see, we're kind of like that snake church. Me, oh my. Pass them on by. I take a little bit of this and a little. It's like we go to the buffet line of God. 
Lord, I'll take a little bit of that. I'll take a little bit of a little dab. Of, you know, we're kind of like the yabba dabba do of Jesus. We want a little of this and a little of that, and we try to be selective. And God's going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What about that? Well, Lord, it's, have you ever had anybody come to your house? Man, we're the most unfriendly church there is. <laughs> Lord, I'm praying right now people start to open up their house. How many of you ever had people where you had, they'd never been in your house and you, went, you show, and they go, oh, show me your house. You ever been like that? And then there's some rooms you don't like to take them. Why? Because it's a mess. Not many people go, hey, this is my laundry room. This is my children's all. This is their filthy underwear. My husband, I mean, they stink. You don't like to take them to that room. Why? Because there's things that's just not, it's just not in order. And God loves us enough that he's not trying to make us serve him. But he's coming along and saying, let's get this in order. He's coming alongside and saying, I'll give you the power. I'll give you the grace. I'll give you the ability to do what you can't do in yourself. He says, through your weaknesses, that he's what? Made strong. So look, if you're struggling with something, if you're walking through something, I'm not here to condemn you, but I'm here to point to you and say, it's God. It's Jesus that you need. You need to have an encounter with him. You need to know him. It's not how many good jokes I can share or how funny I can be or how sophisticated we be. And I love good worship, all that stuff. But God's glory is the person of Jesus. You know, God can and does all these things that he can, you know, but, you know, he can do all this stuff. But that is the power in God's presence, but it's not his glory. You see, many people say, I want to see what Moses saw. Can I be honest? Can I be honest with you? I don't. What do you mean, Pastor Bob? Why, why, why would you not? Why, why would I want to see, see him passing glory, seeing the passing of the glory in the backside when I can see him full face? I can see all of him. You know what makes a difference in a person's life? When you spend time with him. When you spend time with him. Okay, let me ask you. Am I in the right church or is this a funeral parlor this morning? There's a few things that do need to die. And we'll put in the coffin and send it on. But the most important thing is, is that for us, is that Hebrews 1.1 says, Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. The author of Hebrews is saying that through, through history, the prophets and the messengers have been pointing to a person. This whole book. Right here. Can I tell you what this book is about? It's about a relationship between a father and a son. That's what it is. And you know what? The cool thing is, being a daddy, because I have five sons, sons will tell you things sometimes you don't want to hear. And fathers will tell sons sometimes things that they don't want to hear. But... Father, God asked Jesus to do things, and the Bible says he did it. Remember, he said, Lord, let this this cup pass, even the garden, Lord, let this cup pass over me. But, Lord, not my, what? Not my will, but your will 
be done in my life. That should be our prayer. God, I don't like my circumstances. I don't like what I'm going through. I don't like what I have to face. I don't like what's happening. But God, it's not about me. It's about you doing something in me. I, I don't know why it was, but some of my relatives have been looking at some of the videos we have on YouTube, and they found the old Mother's Day one. And it was funny because Luke and Livia were smaller. It was in 2008, and I went and visited Chris and Maria. And what was it, Emmy, you told me? Addie? It, 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 it's, just, it's a whole journey. It's like an eight-minute video we did. We'll show it one day in oldies but goodies. But anyway. And we're sitting there, and, and it, it's like me journeying through a day where my wife is out of town, and I'm trying to take her place. And it starts out, I'm a little proud. I can handle this. By the end of the day, I can't handle it. I'm just like, I want her back. I remember there was a section where we're sitting there, and Luke, let me just say this. Luke loves his mama. He loves his mama. I mean, he loves his mama. He used to tell me, he used to tell us, he said, you know, mom, I, mom, when I'm not around, I love you a little more than daddy. And, okay, just, he loves her a lot more. Anyway. And I remember his, when this clip, I was just laughing at him when I saw it. It's like he's sitting there, he's standing, kind of perched on the counter like this. You know how kids are when he's on the kitchen counter and I'm trying to make biscuits. And I go, Luke, whose biscuits are better? Mama's or daddy's? And he goes, and, he, and he's trying to be different. They're the same. And I looked at him and said, are you just trying to make me feel good? And he goes, Sometimes the truth stings. Sometimes the truth hurts. But it's what we do with the truth that really matters. We don't put it on the shelf and go, I'm going to come back to that later. We try to catalog it. But can I just look at me? God, how many of you want God to speak to you? Let me, let me tell you why you hadn't heard his voice in a long time. The question I have for you, have you done the last thing God asked you to do? And until you do that, how can you expect to hear his voice? Oh, I appreciate all those shouts and amens. But it says this in Hebrews, verse, chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. And now, in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the sun, he created the universe. The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the, by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Jesus is the greatest miracle. Jesus is the greatest sermon. Jesus is power on display. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of God's greatest promises. He's the fulfillment. He is the end and he's the beginning. He's got the whole world in his hands, like the song says. Hebrews 11 is the great great chapter of faith. The the hall of fame of faith. You know? Have you ever read the very end of Hebrews 11? When it wraps it up in verse 40? This is what it says. For God had had something better in mind for us so that he would not, so, so they would not reach perfection without us. Do you know what something better is? 
The something better is Jesus. See, I want something more than a sea-splitting opening of the Red Sea. I want something more than, than the, the, the trick stick that Moses had. Where he stood before Pharaoh. Remember, in his, you remember, it was like that stick. That stick, he pointed at the Red Sea, boom. And, you know, he threw it on the ground. I mean, everybody liked a trick stick, wouldn't you? I want something more than just demonstration and his power and his promises. I want Jesus. Second Corinthians says, in fact, the first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. What's he talking about the new way? He said, this is what he's saying. So if, if the old way, which has been replaced, that's the law, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new which remains forever? That's God's grace. Grace means this, God, God's riches at Christ's expense. If you're going to initially, grace means God's riches at Christ's expense. That's what grace means. That God sent his son. He sent his son at, Christ, at Christ's expense for me and for you. That I can receive forgiveness. I can receive the grace of God. That you can receive forgiveness and the grace of God. And when the enemy comes by your way, he can't see all the junk in your life. All he can do is pass by because there's the blood of Jesus on your life. The devil's got to go, me oh my, I got to pass him on by today. There's, wow, they got that. It's the blood. I remember my grandmother. Before I knew the Lord, she, she used to go, I plead the blood of Jesus. I didn't even know what that meant. I had no idea what that meant. I'm going to plead the blood. Of, I remember I got scared sometimes at night when I had my own apartment. I, I'll admit it now. But I didn't want to admit it then. I was too full of pride. And I'd go to bed at night and go, I plead the blood of Jesus, I plead the blood. I didn't know what it, and Lily, I would feel God's presence come in the room, but I didn't know how to get him in my life, in my heart. You know what I'm saying? So I was a miserable being. I was empty. I was miserable. I had the stuff. I had my own place. I had vehicles, motorcycles, all those kind of things, girlfriends, drugs, popularity, all this stuff. And, and I was moving up in the business world. And all, I had all that stuff. But on the inside, can I tell you something? I was an empty shell. And I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. That's when I called my mom. You get that guy, Jacob, that's been helping my sister, Pam. And he came over to the house. And I remember he just started sharing with me. He didn't need to preach to me. I was like, ripe. Listen, the devil had beat the hell out of me. I'm serious. I saw things, experiencing, almost had near death. I don't have time to go into all those details. There came a point, I said, man, whatever you got, and whatever you've been talking about with all these other youth kids and all that stuff, I want it. It was kind of like this. Here it is. I'm cashing in. I'm, I'm just, I'm just an example, okay? I'm not flexing my muscles. It was like this. Here is... Here's my life. I don't want this life anymore. I'll throw these death clothes. I don't want those anymore. I don't want to see that lifestyle. I don't want to live that lifestyle. I don't want to mess with it. I don't want to play with it. I don't want to be like that anymore because I know what it brings. And I came to the point and said, just, I want God. And I remember we started praying. I got on my knees. I started crying out, oh, God. And he just wrote me, he read me a scripture. He said, if you say you have no sin, the truth is not in you. 
But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he's just to forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I did put my deodorant on. And anyway, just <laughs> felt that cool breeze. I lifted my arm. and I was like, Anyway. Can I tell you something? I didn't know what deliverance was. But I remember I just, and Pastor Jacob said, hey, you okay? I said, it's not gone. It's not gone. I mean, literally, we prayed until, I mean, I got delivered. He wasn't going, come out! It was like, I don't want this. I don't want this. I don't feel like it's gone. I couldn't describe it because it was a moment with Jesus. How many know we all need those moments in our lives? And I came to that point in my life where I said, God, and, and I felt the release. I was like, and he said, Baba, he said, God wants to give you a gift. If God's given, I'm taking. He wants to give you the gift of his Holy Spirit. And I remember, man, I just got on my knees. I said, Lord, it wasn't one of those kind of like, it wasn't all that. But it came a point I said, God, I want that gift. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to live the life that you want me to live. And I can't do it without you. Can I tell you something? Now listen, I smoked a lot of dope in my life. Snorted a lot of stupid stuff. But can I tell you something? When the Spirit of God came, I had an experience with Jesus. Let me just say this. I saw him. What do you mean? I literally, I felt this mighty rush. The only way I can say it, the mighty rush of the wind, where God just went, whoosh, blew all the junk right out of me. Just went, whoosh. and all of a sudden, I felt, I felt like a water container. I felt like God began to, he had a, that water pitcher I'd been missing out on for years. And he began to pour that ever living, that living water into my life. And all of a sudden, it just didn't come and stop. It was just like overflowing. And all of a sudden, I was like, whoa! Whew, I had a charismatic experience. I didn't go, whoa! I didn't go, well, I got to get me a suit and get me a continental. That wasn't what I needed. Back in the 70s, everybody had that, all right? Just, if you were a successful preacher, they had a continental anyway. And I remember, I remember it's like, God, I can't keep this in me. I got to go tell somebody about what just happened to me. I gotta tell him. I've seen his glory. He's awesome. And when I told my friends, and oh, you're in that religious stuff. Religious nothing, man. I met the man. I met him. He changed my life. I'm willing to die for that now. Are you hearing me? I was willing to lay down my life for an experience of getting a high or copping something before and putting my life in risk. But all of a sudden, I didn't want that lifestyle anymore. It's not because someone said, you can't drink. You can't do this. It went about all the can't. Listen, I could sit up in a church one time and said, I sleep with all the women I want to. All the char- it was charismatic church. You imagine. Oh, and they're like, my God. I drink all the beer I want to. Oh, my Jesus. I smoke all the hoochie wanna I want to. Oh, my God. 
But I looked at him and I said, but you know what? Jesus changed my want to and I don't want to do that anymore. I want to serve him. Don't give it up for me. Give it up to the man, Jesus. He is the man. And can I say something? I've met a lot of almost people in my life. But see, when you find the glory and you see the glory of God, you can't be an almost man. You know who was an almost man? Lot. You know why he was an almost man? Because marriage is about two people becoming one. And can I tell you something? What happens when the almost man? You know what? Why people, well, his wife turned and saw because she looked away. No, because half of Lot was not where it needed to be. Half of his personality. Listen, if you want your children to serve God, there are things in your life and in my life we can't allow. Are you hearing me? It's a miracle that some of our children would even want to serve God when they've seen things that we've compromised with. Thank you for all those shouts and amens. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm somewhere. My concern as a pastor is that we look further than Jesus. His power is not what will change this region, in this city, in this country. I want the deaf to hear. I want the blind to see. But there's something more important than that. What do you mean, Pastor Bob? It's only the person of Jesus and the glory of God that can transform a community. See, we're looking for all these signs and wonders when God just wants to show up himself. I love when my, my, one of my mentors, Winky Pratt, he says, you know what? He said, you know what revival is? When God gets sick and tired of being mis- misrepresented, he decides to show up himself. I just want God to show up. Don't you leave here today being an almost woman, an almost man, almost thinking you got it. Be all. Be all in. Push your chips. Listen, when God, when I threw everything away... That doesn't mean I didn't make some mistakes. Can I just be honest with you? Can I, can I be honest with you? I remember the, like three days after, four days after I got saved, I had a guy that I hooked up with some really good dope, some red bud. If y'all don't know what they don't worry about it. Man. Talk to me after the service. If you see someone that looks like they're on red bud, you can talk to them too. But anyway. And I remember, I remember he, he was like, I was telling him about Jesus and the whole thing. And I remember, and he came up, and, he, and I had my cougar, and he pulled, I pulled, and I'm bringing him home. And he's, man, I need a ride home, Bubba. I said, I'll bring you home. And all of a sudden, he lit up before I even knew it. And he's going, man, man, that time you got me buzzed out, gave me that. Man, I'm just paying you back, man. Can I tell you something? I'd like to say, the first three times, I said, no, man, no, dude. The fourth time, I went, I dropped him off at home and can I tell you something the first time in my life I felt that I had grieved the heart of God and that was my training are you hearing what I'm saying and I just I said I got, I got away and I, I went back to my apartment and I just cried God I don't, I don't want to do that I don't want to go you just did all this in my life and I'm telling people about you. Here I am. I'm, I'm compromising. I don't want to live that kind of lifestyle. I have a friend of mine, Lily. True story. God was dealing with him for years about smoking marijuana. 
He was going to church, been in jail. God had delivered him from all kinds of stuff. But he said, at night, I'd still go smoke my joint and go to bed. Till my son walked in. How you explain that to your son, pastor? He called me and said, today I want to give it up. We had deliverance service on the phone. And from this day, coming from that day to this day, he's never touched it since. Because you know what? He realized, he said, I can't do this on my own. I need the glory of God. I need the experience with Jesus in my life. Because I don't want to be the same. My fear is that some people look for more than what Jesus has. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? You know, if miracles satisfied, that was enough. Would Moses have even made that request if miracles was enough? Moses was not satisfied. He determined that there must be more. I don't want this church to be satisfied just with the promises being filled, his power on display, and his presence in our midst. I don't want to be satisfied with that. Is that all right to say that? Second Corinthians says this, and I'm, I'm bringing it to a wrap. So all of us who have had the veil removed, the blindness, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, made us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Second Corinthians 3.18 As you gaze on Jesus, can I just say to Him, as you gaze on Him, you'll be transformed. Don't let, don't leave here looking for anything more than Jesus. You got everything you need in Him. Today, Jesus is saying to each and every one of us, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you that are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Jesus is saying this, come, come to me, look to me, trust me. The glory of God is the only hope. It's the only hope for your marriage. It's the only hope for your children. It's the only hope for this area, and it's the only hope for this church. It's the glory of God. Jesus. I'm done with my message. But I don't think God's done in here. You see, look at me. I want to see the whites of your eyes this morning. Some of you have come this morning. And you've experienced, you've seen the glory of God from afar. You've experienced it. You've questioned things. You've almost been convinced. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to jump in. Are you? Some of you, the worst enemy is your own mind. For some of you, the enemy is your past. My wife gave me a great quote that, you, that the lady saw this week, and, he's, and it talked about how how people that that. Uh, Guilt is an idol. And how people worship guilt. Because they can't get past whatever they happened to them in the past. Look at me. Look at me. I want to see the whites of your eyes. Come on. Don't, don't, don't. Don't look at me down right now. Let me tell you this. Jesus is here. He didn't see that past. If you 
cried out to him for forgiveness and you forgive him. Maybe there were things directed at you that, can I just say this? Wasn't even your fault. But it left a scar in the issue in your life. And God loves you enough that he keeps reaching out. He said, just come to me. If you're heavily burdened, if you're downcast, come to me. I love you. Like the father maybe you never had. I love you right into your freedom. I love you. Their parents that are here tonight, they feel guilty about the way their children turned out and all that. Listen, my mom, called, I talked to her, she goes, you know, I think the problem sometimes, son, is I wasn't there enough for you when you were growing up. And she started going through all this stuff. And I said, mom, stop it. You're a good mama. You know what I mean? I'm 52. <laughs> you know what I mean? Get over it. Get over it. Don't live a life of guilt. Don't live a life of shame. If God can get the children of Israel, that motley crew, that was a motley crew before the band's name. They were the real motley crew. If God could get six million people, think about it. You think you got a problem when you have two children? Moses had six million. And all the junk they put Moses through. He was the Old Testament picture of Jesus. He was their advocate before the Father. He was a deliverer. He would go talk to God. And God said, look, I'm not. He said, God, will you be with me? And you, will you go with us? Moses wasn't thinking about himself. He said, Lord, I, you can be with me, but I ain't taking them with me unless you're with us. With us. Listen, let me tell you. God wants to take our Savior's church on a journey. A journey that meets him face to face. He will talk to us face to face. He will love us face to face. He will be with us face to face. I love, and I'm not going to belittle this, but I just love the way Ephesians says, he says, you know, he's giving you the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, you know, I mean the sword of the sword. I mean you can go through it all, the breastplate, you know, the, the, your feet are shot, but when you study Ephesians 6, what it's saying is this, there's no naked area in your life. I got you covered. I got you covered. David couldn't walk with Saul's armor. He had to walk with the anointing God had given him. God doesn't want you to become, listen, I have a lot of preacher friends that have bigger churches. God doesn't want me to be like them. God doesn't want me to preach like them. God wants me to be who he made me. Okay? God wants you to, he made you unique. When he made the mold, when he created you, he went like this. Perfection. And he shattered the mold. Not another one like it. And see, some of us go, yeah, uh uh-huh. That's me, Pastor Bob. I'm the barnacle on the bottom of a shrimp boat in Cameron. I mean, you stop having that pitiful me little attitude. Woe is me. <laughs> you just need to come and say, God, I know I, I know who I am. I know my limitations. I know what I need. 
I need you. Don't you leave here today wondering, do I really know the Lord? I want you to meet him. I want you to experience him. Because can I tell you something? You'll never be the same. Your marriage will never be the same. Your kids will never be the same. Amen? I'm just going to pray. And as I pray, if you just need, you say, Pastor Baba, I need God's, I want to experience God like I, like you're talking about. Like, would you share what happened to you? Listen, for some of us, my wife, totally different experience. She just, out of faith, I, I think she had a great experience. She just out of faith. She goes, I'm gonna, he's good, I'm going to serve him. And that's how she came. You know, for me, because I'm a feely, touchy kind of person, I'm like, I needed the fireworks, you know? Some of us, it's not the fireworks. Some of us, it's just a step. Amen. Does this speak to anybody this morning? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you this morning. First of all, I thank you for your word. Lord, that your word declares that you're good, that you're loving, you're forgiving. Your father to the fatherless. You're good beyond what we think. You go far beyond what we ask. You're a God that gets us out of our circumstances. And when people look at us and they go, oh, you'll just never amount to anything. But God, you, you do work. You change people. I think of all the different people that I've seen you minister to throughout the years. That boy that I used to go visit in, in, in that detention center. Now he's a pastor. I thank you, Father, for that girl that was a prostitute that I ministered two years ago. Now she's just a mom. I thank you, God, for my friend, Mark lost his wife through being murdered but delivered him from drugs and now he loves you and you've redeemed him you've given him a beautiful wife and children I thank you for stories that are wrapped around in this room of people that came here this morning that want not to play church but to have an experience with you I pray that they would not leave an almost person an almost man, almost woman but they would leave and they would come and to that point say I need you God, all of you I give you all of me God so I can have all of you that's a great exchange people, that's it we give him all puts all of himself in us. If you're here this morning, you just want to experience God. If you need him, whatever your circumstances, I preach, God's already spoken to you. I'm not here to beg you. If I could, I would beg you. I would plead with you. But Jesus stands here with open arms, crucified hands. willing to forgive you willing to help you maybe with issues you're even facing right now
If that's you here this morning, whatever the circumstances, just get out of your seat. Just come up here this morning. And this, when I say come up here, this is just, this is just a symbol of what you really want God to do. It's your step of obedience to say, God, I want, I want all that you have for me. If that's you, come right now. Come. Come. And I promise you, God will touch you. God will minister to you. God will deliver you. Don't resist. Don't hold back. You've done that long enough. Don't do it. he's the only one that can help your marriage he's the only one that can help you with your children he's the only one that can help you in your job and your experience that's you just come right now experience God's freedom his grace his smile on your life real we're not here to play religious games we're here to meet the king let that you come come at the songs just like you are a great exchange if I could have some godly men to come with these men here some godly women to come around and each of these right here just stand behind them if you're in the audience extend your hand toward them come on I need some more I don't want to come hands to heaven all throughout this place. I'm going to dismiss you. But if you want to come and just gather around the altars after you dismiss, you're welcome to do that. Father, I just thank you for everyone here. I thank you, for, Father, for power of God, the peace of God that passed all understanding. I thank you for your healing virtue. I thank you that, Lord, that you are here this morning to meet and minister to every need that's represented in this house. And I pray that no one would leave this morning being an almost person. But, Lord, it would be 
God, I serve you with all my heart. I pray this week would be the greatest week in their experience with you than they've ever had in their entire life. I pray that for every person. I pray for the greatest impact of freedom in their lives than they've ever experienced. I pray, Father, that God, when they, they, they come across battles and they have to draw the battle lines, that, Lord, this, this week they would say, you know what, I want God to go with me. I'm drawing the line. I'm not crossing over anymore. I'm not going to live close to the edge of this world, but I'm going to live close to the heart of God. And I pray that over every person this week. I pray for your grace. I pray for your power. I pray for miracles. I pray, Father, for destiny written over people's minds and their hearts this week. I pray it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. I love you. God bless you. If you need to go, go. If you want to come, the altars are open. We're going to be praying with people here and love to pray with you. Love you. God bless you. Have a great, great, great week.